two, one, and we're on. All right, episode 12, World of Lifting Podcast. We have special guest Jack Tomlinson, formerly known as JT Kid, Jackson Ridley, and Jackson James. How are you doing today, man? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we got to kick off the podcast with the first question. Uh, so let's let's hear the story of how'd you how'd you get into this this pro wrestling thing. Um. So that can date all the way back to when I was ten. Um. I used to not like pro wrestling. I used to. My brother was a WWE fan, and he used to watch it, and I was never into it. I was like, what? What, what are you watching? What is this? And then one day I walked in, and he was watching. Uh, it was actually an episode of Zack Ryder. My all-time favorite wrestler, who's actually from Long Island, was on. And he was being uh, accompanied to the ring by Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine. Ooh. Yeah, and, like, I'm watching this. And I'm like, why is Hugh Jackman here? What's going on? About seven minutes pass. There we get to the end of this match. And Hugh Jackman punches Zack Ryder's opponent, Dolph Ziggler, in the face. And I'm just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. What is going on right now? Yeah, so I get bring, into it. They bring celebrities there, don't they? Like yeah. I, first time I ever saw – I'll go off in a second. First time I ever went to a, uh, a live wrestling event at the Nassau Coliseum, I saw Cindy Lauper, who sings uh, True Colors. You okay. know the song? I don't. But... Uh, she – oh, you never heard the – it's like, I see your true colors shine. I'm so bad with music. Uh, you probably recognize if you're it's it's an older song it was I think it came out before we were born to be honest um or when we were really young but she took her platinum record and smashed it over a wrestler's head oh damn yeah I saw Michael Strahan wrestle the Miz one time but uh digressing going back to what I was saying uh I just kept watching it over the years I kept watching it and after about a year of consistently watching I was 11 now and I'm like I I want to do that that it looks so cool I started wrestling in my parents room I would dive off their bed and then when I was about 14 I think I was 14 my uh my father was like doing just doing some regular search on the internet of like wrestling because he's a big wrestling fan too and he had found through Zack Ryder his old tag partner uh named Kurt Hawkins wait and your dad Kurt, used to do this my dad didn't used to do it but yeah oh. uh, he's a bit he's a big fan of it. he's been watching it since he was a little kid Okay. And he was like looking stuff up for me. I don't know. Maybe he was looking up tickets that, to a show we could go see, or maybe he was looking up like merchandise to buy me for Christmas. I don't know what. But he, through Zack Ryder, through the grapevine that is the internet, he found Kurt Hawkins. And Kurt Hawkins is also a WWE superstar, formerly a WWE superstar, and Zack Ryder's former tag team partner. And he dove into Kurt and he found a school that Kurt Hawkins had just recently opened with uh former wwe producer pat buck and a little he told me about i was like oh this is so cool i want to go check it out by the time we got to checking it out they had started running shows at creative bro so i went to my first creative Pro show creative bro and when the show was over i went and spoke to pat buck and uh kurt hawkins now known as brian myers um so i talked to brian and i talked to pat and i was trying to figure out how i could wrestle with them and then they're like, yeah, you can come down. These are the, pre this is the, like, the tuition, but this is how the classes run. Uh, I'm this trainer. They had another trainer at the time named uh, Vinny, VSK. And I was like, oh, this sounds great. It sounds great. And they're like, so how old are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm 14. Uh, actually, sorry. At this time, I was 15. Sorry. And they're like, oh, listen, you got to be 16 to train in New York State. And we're like, what? I come back a couple months later, I'm 16 years old. Now I'm ready to wrestle. 
And then that's how I started training at the school. Don't even get me started. Day of training, they dropped the bomb on me saying, you can train here at 16, but you can't be on shows in New York State till you're 18. So now I had two more years of training and waiting till then. But to answer that in a nutshell, it was a grand scheme of internet surfing for my dad to find creative pro wrestling with uh, Brian and Pat. So you said Zach, Zach Ryder is uh, he's a Long Island dude and he's uh, mm-hmm. so was he one of your inspirations you think? Oh, definitely. Definitely. He's my all time favorite pro wrestler. He's my, he's my first ever real childhood hero. I think um, he, he was just huge because I didn't like wrestling, like I said, and then I saw him on screen and I fell in love with it. And to this day, it's just anytime he's on, I got to watch it. Some of my favorite matches involve him. My all time favorite match was him winning the intercontinental championship at wrestlemania so like i just have found that everything i do in wrestling is gated back to him especially when it comes to nowadays with my character and with my gimmick and a lot of the stuff when i needed to reflect back to other wrestlers as to what will work or what might not work i often go to him because i like his style i like his flair is there anyone else like like a big like a big name Mm -hmm. um i i break him into their categories so like character wise and like charisma wise I love looking at wrestlers like The Miz um, or like The Rock. I love seeing the way that they can talk and really tell a story just like with their words. And because as much as everything matters when you're in the ring, a lot of the time, especially in WWE, you have the luxury of building up to a match and making a whole storyline. And I think they have the best build. In terms of in-ring, I love... um, people that I look at and I'm like, Oh, they do that cool move. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to put this little twist on it. Um, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano. Those are, those are my guys that look at Oh, I mentioned before who got punched by Hugh Jackman, Dolph Ziggler. He's always, you ever want to see good selling and wrestling? I'd probably watch Dolph Ziggler. Damn. I did not recognize any of the names you, you mentioned. I've tried, I tried to, to, to think back because there was a video game that WWE came out with. And I think I played as Triple H or something, but, I, but yeah. I, but, dude, I love Triple H, but tri- Triple H, probably you might recognize these names. Triple H, Edge, Batista, Shawn Michaels, Rey Mysterio. Most of them now, although they all still like wrestle at some capacity, some full-time, some once a year, they kind of stopped their full-time grind, mean full-time on the roster, when I started to get into it. So when I started to get into it is when – all these new guys that I just mentioned, like Seth Rollins, started to come in and started to take over WWE. So, so that was it's, 20, it's interesting. 2016. Rollins, I think Rollins joined in 2013. So when I started watching wrestling in 2011 is when things really got started to shift and be different. I think since I knew you, you said you were you used to wrestle, like actually wrestle, like the mm-hmm. like the high, high school wrestling. Mm-hmm. I... um. I mean, no, Sorry, I, didn't, I didn't mean to be a dick there. Not, not like actual, actual wrestling, but like, I'm just saying like, like the school scholastic, like, wrestling. yeah, yeah believe, believe me. I'm not, I'm not offended by it. It's a, it's, I'm a sports entertainer. I believe I say pro wrestling. Cause I believe that's its own uh, category, which it is, but I will say broadly to sports entertainment, not just the physical, the athletic side that comes with it. I love the entertainment aspect. I love the theatrics that I go into it. Cause I'm, I'm a thespian, but um I did. I did wrestle. I started wrestling when I was in sixth grade because um, my brother was wrestling. So he would teach me stuff. And then I joined an official team for my school when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. I became the captain of my team. And then a high school team. 
Uh, this was middle school. Oh, this okay. was middle school. I mean, I was captain. And then at the once that season ended in middle school, the high school season was still going on. They were entering counties and stuff. So I wouldn't have had enough practices to wrestle for them, but they still had practices going on. So they invited me up to go to a few practices with them, do a special little uh, early spring training session. So I joined with them and then I wrestled with them over the summer and right into high school. I made varsity as a freshman. Uh, things were looking great. I was first in my weight class. I was freshman year. I was wrestling 106. I was little. Um, and my second tournament, I had had two matches in my entire high school career. And I got injured. Oh, God. I had had this injury. It was a, excuse me, it was a back problem that I had heard probably a year, maybe two in advance working out. And I just ignored it and I ignored it. And something happened on the mat that triggered it. I got injured. Uh, I fractured my T-spine. I can never for the life of me remember which one. I think it was either my T4 or my T7. Did someone um, like Matt return you like to hell? It was, I had heard, I had heard it prior. I had heard it um, working out improperly when I was younger, when I didn't fully know what I was doing. Okay. And then it came again in middle school. I actually, it has a WWE thing. I was wrestling uh, a friend at the time. We were doing a shot drill where you just take shots on each other back and forth. And when I picked him up and I took a double leg, I lift him up. He screams WWE and he locks in his arm. Like he's going to go for like a DDT or something. At this time I am in seventh grade. I have been wrestling officially for two months and this is not WWE. We are not trained. We are kids. I freak out because he has a chokehold locked in on me. So I just launch him off of me. Like I just throw him because I'm like, what am I going to do? I did not have the strength to do that naturally. It came out of sheer, I'm passing out. And if, if I don't get him off, oh, he I'm going to pass. He was, I'm going to pass. Was, oh, he, he was, was genuinely choking. He was choking me. I was like, if I didn't throw him, I was going down. And when I threw him, I lost complete balance because it wasn't, oh, I have the strength to do this. It was, I got scared and I just threw him. Yeah. I fell. He lands on my head, completely chips open a bunch of my teeth. If you look closely, my teeth are kind of messed up. But he lands like right here and right on my face, which your spine, your spine starts here. So mm -hmm. I feel this weird pain in my back. I ignore it for like, another. I got away with it for like another year. And then something happened freshman year. I got picked up. I got dropped. I was able to complete the match. It was not devastating, but then it just kept going for weeks. And there was one night I was playing with my, with my dog. I was just literally playing with my dog. I was laying on my back and she was like on top of me and kissing me and we we're having fun. And I got up and I went to hug her and I just spazzed and I just collapsed in my parents' room and I'm just collapsed. My dad had to pick me up and put me on the bed. It was, oh, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Like you couldn't move? I couldn't move. And the worst thing is I laugh when I am in an uncomfortable position or I'm, or I'm in pain. I Wait, don't like your arms. You like, you couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stand my back. was. Oh, you couldn't stand. Gone. Okay. So it's not, not like you went numb everywhere, right? Oh no. I had control of my arms and legs. Right. I could do, I could move my head. I could do it. I could blink. I could talk. I wasn't like having like anything. Like, like that. Yeah. Okay. There was no strength in my spine and all the muscles around it had failed. So I was like, I, I can't do anything. But to make matters worse, like I said, I laugh. So I'm in immense pain and I'm dying laughing. My parents don't know what to do. because I'm, I'm on the floor in agonizing pain. They're terrified that I'm hurt, but I'm laughing. So they're like, Jack, are you being serious? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right Damn. then, 
freshman year wrestling season's done, 10th grade, I come back, I don't even get to a tournament, just in practice, I get hurt again. And I'm like, Is what? that the, the same thing? D- different injury now. I go, the, I go back, same, same doctor. He does uh, MRI, MRI, x-rays, all that fun stuff. I had a bulging disc in my neck. This was more okay. in my like rhomboid. So it was right down here. Um, so it's a lot better than a herniated disc. So I can say that. Yeah. But I, lo- but I was told you are going to be back in about two to three months, which put me right at the mark That's of most being- of the season, right? <laughs> yeah. And I would have been able to come back to wrestle for like practices, but you need a certain amount of practices to wrestle for like counties and hopefully state. So I lost that because I would, even if I came back for those practices, I wouldn't have been able to go to state. So I was so pissed. I, that season was lost. I, I had two weeks of practice in the entire year. And by the next year, that's when I started training to be a professional wrestler. So that's where my high school wrestling career ended. I've always, I've always been kind of annoyed that I didn't go back to that. And I didn't settle that out because I really believe state was in, in sight for me, at least by my senior year. So that was kind of upsetting, but the way things have panned out with wrestling, which uh, we're going to talk about, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not, no regret in that department. Yeah. It's kind of like a door just shut in your face, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't have uh, you didn't settle it your own way. Yeah. But then everything else opened up with wrestling and WWE and YouTube. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the same with me with wrestling when I, when I just ripped my shoulder, <laughs> I, I, same, same thing with you, mm-hmm. it's, except it wasn't a back issue. It was my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I kind of left it alone for a while, you know, two years. Yeah, it's and not, then, can't do it. My, my shoulder just kept dislocating on me. So I was like, yeah, I need to get this checked out. So did the same thing, MRI, x-ray, all that good stuff. And then they're like, yeah, your labrum's kind of messed up. Mm. Yeah, I ended up doing, sh- that. that's when you saw me when I was in the yeah, sling. Yeah, you were in the sling, I remember yeah. that. I feel like I'm having shoulder problems right now. Oh. So I'm, I'm feeling that big time. I pinched a nerve like two months ago it went all the way from here the pain all the way down my fingers oh that's the worst and the the weird thing is nothing happened like i really would love a cool story someone broke into my house i i I defended the house and i was something went wrong no i went to bed one night and i woke up the next morning and i couldn't feel my arm and i hate that that is my story are you like a like a active active mover in sleep you always like rolling around. I have no idea. Honestly, I think it was, um, I think it was just like, I fell asleep. My girlfriend was in my arms. So okay. I'm just pretty sure like just laying there for nine, <laughs> nine hours with a human being on my arm just killed it. Maybe. I don't know. That's but weird though. For, I think it's weird too. It makes no sense whatsoever. But for two days, I could not feel like my, I could feel it, but I could barely do like this. And what? It was I was so convinced I had permanent nerve damage. I was screwed. I rested it for five weeks. I didn't lift anything. I didn't touch anything. I literally just sat there all day. I used to oh, eat. Man. It got better. There's no pain now, and I have full mobility. My only problem now is I have zero to no – I have little to no strength in this arm. So it really in sucks. Terms of you can't, like, curl anything? In, in ter- yeah. I mean, I'm, I worked out earlier today um, in my basement. I'm, I'm doing dumbbell presses. At one point in my life, I was – doing 90 pound dumbbells almost 100 and i hear i'm doing 20 pounds and i'm and i'm like get up there well i don't know i feel like weights are heavier in your own home gym i don't know i have those uh those plate loaded ones we gotta unscrew oh you got uh, adjustable ones yeah 
you have to adjust all the weight. That's what I've been using during this pandemic. Uh, anyway, that was a little bit off topic, but anyway. Yeah, I should tell. No, uh, no, not really. But anyway. So I started with wrestling. And then went I would imagine that you're, you're, since you said that your dad was looking for, looking out for you with the, with the wrestling thing. So I'm, imagine, I'm imagining that your family is very supportive of this. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest supporter is definitely my dad. Dad is a huge supporter um, for, for, for everything in wrestling. Um, like I said, he knows the business. He not knows the business as a, as he was a fan. He was a big fan for a while reading like uh, bi- autobiographies of wrestlers. And in there you learn a lot because you hear their firsthand stories. So he's very understanding of what happens and what goes into it. Rest of the family is as well. Um, my, my mom is interesting. My mom is funny. She's, she's a tip, she's typical mom. She doesn't, un, she doesn't know it. She doesn't know how it works. She doesn't know what goes into it. So she's freaking out. She's like, what if my baby can't do it? Like, I don't want it to get hurt. I don't know it. I can't help him. So what do I do? And it's funny when I first started, she tried to limit me. There was practice at Creative Pro three times a week. And I was like, I'm going to go all three times a week. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to train. I'm going to work out. And she's like, okay, Jack, I love that. You're going to go twice a week sometimes once <laughs> and i'm like no i'm going three and she's like can you drive and i'm like no we're gonna get our license till we're 17 i can't do that and she's like well you're going twice fought her on it and now fast forward two years later i had to take uh some time off for school and she started telling me you're not taking time off you're going back full time you're being there all the time so two years later she flip-flopped Wait, why because so, i don't know man I just think she's, I just, in the beginning, I think it was, she didn't know it. She okay. doesn't know wrestling. So That's she was scared that I was getting into something. I think after three years of seeing all my passion for it and seeing how far I've come, I think me saying I'm taking like a month off because of school and works piling up made them be like, Oh my God, he's leaving. I'm like, no, I don't, no matter how many times I was like, no, I'm not quitting. I just need a month. I have to focus on school. If I take a month off from wrestling, I'm not going to risk my entire, my entire tuition and my entire degree as an educator, but I will for wrestling. So I gotta, I gotta get this, this done. And then when summer comes, I'll be back at it. Summer's here. I'm getting back at it, but it was funny. It was funny. It's here flip. All right. Let's talk about uh, your cat, your, your creative pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. So you said you joined them when you were, uh, you said you couldn't, they, you, you met up with them when you were 14. You couldn't do anything until you were 16 and you can't, compete until you're 18 yeah yeah well that's a that's process though yeah so like it's a road when you on your first day of legit practice what do they make you do um so the first time you actually go to the school you just watch you observe to make sure that you can you you believe you can do this they want you to see so my first day uh i just i watched i observed next day i went back this was my official first day it was september 21st um 2016 so it was the first official day and i was being trained by vsk one of the guys i mentioned earlier and the first thing they have you do is you stretch yeah um, okay. you do a lot of uh all the stretches were actually pretty different they were cool you use the ropes to your advantage a lot of it it's kind of like gymnast stretches you really you throw your leg up there and you try and get it spread up as far as you can a lot of lower body stretches um they also focus on just getting your body warmed up you know, some jumping jacks, push-ups. Um, we do a couple, a couple of games with our, with abs. 
uh, go to Creative Pro and you'll see uh, the plank game. Um, the plank game. Oh God, that's not painful. Game. It's it it is unless you get into the game. If you get into the game, you find yourself just doing a plank for ten, not, maybe ten minutes is probably an exaggeration. Five minutes, and you just completely forget that you're tensing up your core the entire time. Um, but then when you get into the rolls and rolling is you do, you learn how to do a front roll, uh, a back roll, which is literally you're just rolling on the ground. It sound, it's what it sounds like. And then you do these things called shoulder rolls, which are very important in wrestling. Um, it's where you roll on the back end of your shoulder, mainly your left arm. And that's just to, that's to teach you body control and body awareness. And then going forward, the class will usually do a drill where they'll, uh, running the ropes, um, taking tackles, taking, um, taking, or anything. Tackles. <laughs> taking tackles. Yes. And then you'll usually go into a more advanced, either a more advanced drill. Sometimes you'll do a promo class. Um, sometimes you'll actually put on matches, but for me on my first day, uh, they taught you how to run the ropes. So when you hit the ropes, um, there's, there's a, it's a big science to it. How many steps you take in between hitting what? each ropes, how to hit it correctly. Um, so you don't flip over. And for years, I thought that, that was crazy. Like when you hit the ropes, you got to make sure you sink your butt into it and you, you get the top rope right in the middle portion of your back here so that you don't flip over. You also grab the rope just in case you do flip over. Like yeah, arms? you grab with your right arm. Oh, okay. You turn into it. So you're running at it and the rope's right here. I see it. I turn into it. I put my back into it. I'm grabbing it in case the rope breaks. I used to think that that was like, ah, interesting. I think this, this was this past summer. I was performing on a show in, uh, in Center Reach, New York. And right before the show starts, I'm running the ropes to make sure the ring is ready for the rest of the show. Cause that was one of the guys that really helped set up the ring. I hit the rope, the rope snaps. Oh. I flip over to the outside. I bang my head on the apron. And I turned. I don't want anyone to see that I just made a fool of myself. I don't want to be on America's Funniest Home Videos. So I just walk away so casually. But apparently everyone saw it. But, yeah, going back to your question of uh, how you do it, learn how to run the ropes. And then you learn how to, um, how to bump. Now, bumping is like tackling. Um, the biggest, the most common tackle is a shoulder tackle, uh, where you literally you jam your shoulder into someone, and they hit it. You go chest to chest, and you bump. And a bump is when you hit the mat in wrestling. And they teach you all about the science behind that of slapping out. Um, so you want to land on your upper shoulder blades. You don't want to land on your lower back. You don't want to break your tailbone. And you want to slap out to the mat because it's going to reduce the impact. It's going to make the sound bigger. It's going to make you safer. Um, yeah, we do a lot of those in uh, judo. I remember those mm -hmm. slapping the mat. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of – a lot of – there is this – is really weird, uh, not weird, this common misconception that because it's a uh, staged performance that everything is completely like, uh, like uh, a hoax and like like fake. Uh, oh, it's a fugazi, it's a fugazi. I've always wanted to say that. Um, Wolf of Wall Street? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, never. <laughs> I thought you didn't get the reference. I was like, come on, man, you gotta get that. Um, but all of the moves are centered around real life um tactics that they teach you real life uh fighting um oh, obviously okay. if i'm going up to the top rope and i'm doing a jump backflip 360 
no, you're not going to do that in a real fight. I'm not going to get jumped in the alleyway and go, okay, hang on. Let me climb up the, <laughs> let me climb yeah. up the fire escape so I can jump on you. Yeah. I'm going to pick you up and slam you into this dumpster. Like, no, it's a, that's the show aspect. That's the fun. But yeah, it, it does have a, a center of uh, real uh, mixed martial arts. So I guess you just right. refine the technique until it just looks like beautiful, like just majestic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, well, my favorite class is um, moves class and what moves class is is you come in you have to have a bunch of different moves that whether you saw it on tv or you just thought of it and it's like we're just gonna try things you're just gonna try random things and you could improv yeah you could say i want to try randy orton's rko or you can go i was watching this really random match from japan i want to see i want to try this this uh michinoku driver or you know anything like that and you just get to try moves. And when you, you hit them, when you nail them, you just get to keep using those in your actual matches, which I love moves class. It's fun. Oh, that's right. Isn't it a big culture in Japan? Mm-hmm. Like pro wrestling? It's huge in Japan. One of the biggest companies is from Japan. Um, it's very big. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. So, so with these moves, like, how do they, pl- how do they plan the, like, the, I guess, cho- as a choreography mm-hmm. kind of? Mm-hmm. So how do they, um, how do they like plan that out? There's a lot of um, there's a lot of a lingo that goes into wrestling, and you learn. Like if you say uh, something like in a sense like, "All right, I'm gonna whip you. You're gonna give me an up and over, two arm drags. Then you're gonna take off, hit the ropes. Give me I'm um, uh, drop down, leapfrog, drop kick." Sounds like a bunch of mumble jumbo to you. It does yeah. Yes, but you learned through wrestling, um, through training, through other wrestlers, through watching, through even just being at a live show as a fan, you learn what these things mean. So a lot of the times choreography is based solely on just talking. Cause I've wrestled guys oh, where I okay. knew them, where I knew them for 30 minutes before our actual match. So a lot of it, you got to just talk and you just got to say, I want to do X, Y, Z. And then we'll go out and do it. Um, sometimes the moves are crazy and you have to actually try it out a few times. You got to walk. Sometimes you'll just walk through it. You'll block the entire uh, portion of the match. So it, it depends on how big the match is, how long the match is. Uh, longest match I ever had was 22 minutes. It was my debut match at Creative Pro. And myself and my opponent, we had been planning the match for probably about a month in advance. The shortest I ever did was I wrestled on a show in Rhode Island. And me and the other wrestlers started talking about it 45 minutes before we went out. So how did, so they, they you, you do all this, but like, who determines who's like gonna win? Um, the fans. It's really fans? De- oh, okay. it's, it's determined by who is going to get, who is going to bring the company the biggest pop. And a pop is a reaction. Whether you want it's about now the direction that you want to go is based on the promoter and the head of the the uh, the company. If you want the bad guy pop, you want the music okay. to hit and you want everyone to go, boo, this guy sucks. Or if you want the music to hit and you want the little kids to jump up, you want everyone to start going crazy. But it's really based on people's reaction to you. Like, are you the type of guy that's going to walk out that curtain and wrestle for 17 minutes and have maybe five seconds because you did one cool thing? Or are you going to want the dude who's going to come out, wrestle for six minutes, maybe not do much cool things, but just because he's him, everyone's going to be out of their seat the whole time. Probably they're going to give it to him because he's keeping people riled up the whole time. He's getting people into it. He's invest. He's making you want to come back. That's the biggest thing. 
So you so you determine that mid match, like how how the crowd, like how loud the crowd's going. No, um, that is based um that's based on prior times wrestling at a company. The more seasoned you are at a certain company, the more likely you are to build a real storyline and to oh. know how and to kind of be able to predict how fans are. Other times you just have it's just got to be a, a prediction, and sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. I mean, there have been times where I've wrestled and I've been told. Uh, I'm not winning. And I have said to myself, I don't think that's right. I, I wow. think I, I think I should be winning. I think people would react better if I won. Um, but I keep my mouth shut. It's a business. You do what you have to do. To me, it's not about winning or losing. I don't really care about a record. I just care about putting on the best show and putting on the match of the night, giving the fans their money's worth. But that being said, there was actually, there have been times where I've been told I was winning. And I wanted to look the promoter in the eye and be like, dude, why am I winning? I don't need to win this match. It should be him. He should be winning. Um, you know, and that's coming from me, someone who doesn't wrestle um, as often as some, some of these other guys in this business. I mean, if you're with WWE, you're wrestling anywhere from one to four times a week. So 50, 52 weeks out of the year. So you'll find a lot more stories with some of those guys. That's interesting. I think that's probably the, the one thing that the um, – that people outside looking in don't understand where they will they'll just trash talk. Oh, you know, it's stage is all fake. Mm-hmm. And I just learned that right now, all the, all the thing, the little things that go into it. And it's definitely a lot more than I thought it was already. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot. I think that's the thing that the thing that separates us is how often we do it. Like, yes, a UFC fighter is 100% putting themselves, putting their life on the line in a very different aspect that WWE is. You're putting your life on the line in professional wrestling 100% with some of the moves you do and how you can be potentially dropped in your head at some spots or you can give yourself permanent damage in some way. Um, but yes, there's a very big difference in like mixed martial arts fighting, the UFC. But I think the difference that separates us in the athletic department, in the sports department, is they could do that once to three times a year. And that's considered a lot. Professional wrestlers will do this night in and night out five to five days out of the week, 365 days a year. It's, it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment, especially if you be are able to do this for a living, you're putting your body online every night. So let's see. So you trained since 2016. Mm -hmm. So about four years now. Yes. So now that you've built up all this experience, are you known like when people, when you walk out in the crowd, are the, do the fans know what, like, are you known for any signature moves? Um, based on the company, I think a creative pro or another company that I worked out called victory pro. Um, definitely there. I come out and people know me, uh, other companies. No, I'm not known at all. Uh, a few people know me. I've wrestled for companies like XWA or wrestle pro. Um, these are just wrestling independent wrestling promotions on the East coast. Um, or in the Northeast. Um, one of them's on the coast. Um, some of them will know me. Um, some of them will know my moves. I actually just put up a video on YouTube. I'm going to shamelessly plug here, Jack Tomlinson blogs. And I just put a top twenties move video up where that actually says all my main moves that I use in my matches. Um, my finisher is, you have 20 moves. Uh, there's, there's more. I left a lot out cause I just, you couldn't put wow. some, you, you know, got to keep it somewhat short. Um, I recommend the highlight video if I'm going to say any um but um my finisher it's actually number one on that 20 moves list it's called uh the gut check and what I do is I pick a guy up in a fireman's carry 
and I shoulder press him up. It's going to be hard in my shoulder now. Shoulder press him up. I drop to my back and I throw my legs up and they drop on my shins and knees into their gut. So I'm checking the crud out of your gut. I'm making sure you know what's up. Is that full um, contact? Yeah, yeah. You, you, can, oh, you can watch it. You can, I don't know if you can pull it up on your screen. Um, you might even be able to pull it up on here and put it on our screen, the recording, if you tried. Um, or you could screen share. Uh, I have other moves. I have one move called the TikTok tap out, which is taken from, yes, the app TikTok. <laughs> put the guy's arm behind my back, and I lock him in, and I yank on his, uh, on his face. I have a, a move called the sternum stomp, where I literally stomp on your sternum. I love that one. That one's fun. And then there, I have a bunch of other moves. I do a lot of dives in that top 20 list. I have at least three dives on there where I'll actually jump and flip over the ropes to the outside, or I'll just jump over the ropes or I'll jump through the ropes. And I have to add this. I think my most common move I ever do is I love doing a drop kick. I love drop kicks. I jump up, I drop kick. That's I think number 12 on the list. You see how much time I put into editing that video. When you drop kick someone, um, are these when you when you make a contact, <laughs> uh, like an actual contact move, like a punch or something? Like, are you actually punching them, or are they just <laughs> selling the shit out of it, or they just like, oh, it looks like I got punched? Uh it's a lot of it's selling. You'll find some people who are amazing at selling. Um, but I've had I've had scenarios where I get full on clocked in the face. I remember. One of my first first ever practices, I was wrestling a guy, and he just pumped back, and bam, right in the eye. And I'm like, oh. And I just remember saying to myself, that's real. That hurt. Oh, man. Uh, Popped right in the face. But there's there's a – like I said, there's a big science to it. There's a way you can learn how to do it that you aren't going to hurt them, that you can continue to do this every night and do it as often as we do. Um, But – that that being said, you are still getting hit. It is it is one hundred percent real. Just because you're, I know your next thing, your fist is gonna come up and you're gonna punch me. It's still gonna hurt. I know it's coming. I can prepare for it. I can make it look better than it really is, but it's gonna hurt because you're gonna hit me. So with your drop kick, is that the same same thing? Your yeah, I'm just blasting your foot in someone's like gut. <laughs> yeah, I drop kick in the face. Oh, I get up there. Oh, you drop kick in the face? Holy moly. Are you able to scream? I kind of want to watch. I want to watch my own videos now. This is terrible. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I only post the audio. <laughs> so. Oh, it's an audio thing? Okay. Yeah. Oh, they can't see me. Damn. I got all dolled up for nothing. <laughs> I got my Spider-Man hat for nothing. I mean, the, the recording is going to have this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll start <laughs> posting a video podcast. Who knows? This should be the first one. The first visual podcast. I've, I'm feeling that. Maybe. But anyway, we'll post it to Jack Tomlinson vlogs on YouTube, like, and subscribe. Okay. But anyway, now that, now that we've got through that, let's talk about names because names are a big part of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Now now that you, you have like formerly known JT kid, Jackson, really Jackson James, Mm -hmm. but like, how how do they, is it like they, your certain characteristics that they, they pick a nickname by? Um, so all of those names with the exception of one was actually picked by me. Um, your characteristics, like you said, your character and your gimmick, um, those are, those are different. And I've actually, I've gone through, uh, I've only had one real gimmick prior and now I have my one, uh, gimmick now, which I'll get into next if you'd like. Um, but the names JT kid was the first name I ever used. I used it on birthday parties that I used to wrestle on. 
that was solely me. I was asked the day before by one of the guys that was running the show. He was, and he's a fellow wrestler. I wrestled him a couple times. He was like, what do you want to be called? I'm like, I'm going to be JT kid. And the idea was I'm JT kid, the perfect teen. And the idea was I'm 16. I can do it 16. What you can't do it 26, 36, 46, 66. Um, it's me. I got it. I'm perfect. JT kid. Um, eventually I started uh, getting closer to wrestling on real shows and I started wrestling in other States cause their ages, their age in like New Jersey is 17 and I needed to change it. And I didn't know what, what it should be. Cause like I was told by a bunch of people, you gotta, you gotta make it seem more realistic, more like this guy is someone of fear. And I Jackson is a name my aunt used to call me. It is uh, very like yeah, important and personal to me. So I wanted to use Jackson. I really, and my heart was set on that. And my heart was set on keeping Jack in the name. And at this time, it was right after The Force Awakens and Star Wars came out. And if you're a Star Wars fan, you know, Daisy Ridley, who plays Rey, she, although she'd been acting prior to that, she really got her big break in Star Wars. Last name Ridley. I was like, I'm going to steal her last name because I loved, I love Daisy Ridley. I think she's amazing. Um, so I took Ridley. And I kept, and I remember I was uh, doing a YouTube show uh, and on the show, like live, no one had ever heard the name before. Someone had said, what's your name, kid? And I go, Jackson Ridley. And everyone in the background are guys that I wrestle with. They're my friends. And they're like, what? Who's Jackson Ridley? Where's this coming from? So at that point, both names were mine. Uh, I started a YouTube channel before debuting, before turning 18. And the YouTube channel was called Jack Tomlinson Vlogs because it wasn't a wrestling YouTube channel. It was mine. It was literally, it was literally the life of Jack Tomlinson and what I do day to day. So I get closer to my debut match and I'm like, and I start talking to some of the other guys I wrestle with. And I say, Hey guys, I really think I should just do Jack Tomlinson. I think I built a brand at that point. I, it was like 300 subscribers. It was nothing crazy, but I said, I built a brand as Jack Tomlinson. I think I should keep it. I want to keep going as Jack Tomlinson. So I stayed as Jack Tomlinson and that's what I kept with. And that's what I continue to keep with. Uh, and that's what I want to keep with for the rest of my career. Jackson James came when I wrestled for WWE and I can't wait to get into that discussion. Yeah, that'll be a good um, one. But when I wrestled for them, I actually didn't even know what was happening. Um, I'll tell the story of the name right now. Didn't know my name. We, sometimes they ask you, sometimes they don't. And I remember going out on Raw, and I did not know my name. And I got it when I got back. I got a text from my father, and he goes, "Congratulations, Jackson James." And I'm like, "Who?" The? <laughs> and then, it, like an hour and a half later, they posted on YouTube the match, and I'm like, "Oh, I guess I was called Jackson James." The next night, when I wrestled again for WWE, um, oh, more than one night. Holy crap, I wrestled man. for them twice. Yeah, I technically wrestled for them three times, twice on television. Um, but I'll tell the big story of that in in a in a minute yeah, or so. That'll be the juicier part. <laughs> it's the meat, the meat and potatoes. Um, one of the producers came up to me and my tights say Tomlinson on the back. So they're like, what is, what are your tights? And I'm like, they say Tomlinson. I'm like, and they're like, what is that? And they're like, is that your gimmick? And I'm like, no, my, my gimmick's the Vessler, which like I said, if you want to talk about gimmicks, I'd love to do that too. He goes, so Tomlinson, that's your name. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what did they use last night? And I'm like, Jackson James. And they're like, but your name's, and I'm like, I know. And he goes, all right, tonight we're going to use Tomlinson. He goes, you're probably going to be Jackson Tomlinson or Jack, or maybe just Jack Tomlinson. I was like, 
I got fired up. I was like, this is awesome. They're going to use my name. And then about 30 minutes before I get out, one of the commentators comes up to me and he's like, all right, what's your name, kid? And I'm like, uh, last night was Jackson James. They were supposed to change it, but that wasn't approved. Please do not say that name on television if it is not the name they're using. I tried to be so clear. Don't use it. The same producer I had talked to earlier comes up to me and goes, you know, and I asked him, hey, did you switch the name? I was just asked by this comment by Nigel McGinnis, like, what do I do? And he's like, you know, man, I didn't get around to it. We'll just use Jackson James again. Who cares? Oh, no. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Went out again, Jackson James. But the funny thing is, little do they know, Jackson, like I said prior, is a really important name to me. It was what my aunt called me, so it's very sentimental. So that was awesome. And James was actually supposed to be my name. My, my mom was going to name me James, but she didn't because my cousins, um, they too, they have three kids and their middle son is named Christopher, which is also the name of my older brother. And their youngest son is named James. And my mom, when she was having me and wanted to name me James, she was like, this is going to be weird if your cousins are named Christopher and James and you both are also named Christopher and James. So you're going to, and then. But your name's not even really Jack though. It's like John. No, no, it's not. Um, my real name's John Patrick. It's like, uh, John, yeah, John Patrick. Real name it is John Patrick. It's on the right there. What am I doing? Yeah. Does? yeah. It does say, it. yeah, John Patrick. One word, capital P. Um, that's, that's your the, first that's, name or is that first middle? Well, first name. My middle name is Kiernan. Whoa, your first name is actually John Patch. Oh, damn. I really first thought that was the first, it's first with the middle combined. My entire first name is John Patrick. My entire name is John Patrick Kiernan Tomlinson. Wow. But when I say my name, I like to add in my nickname, which is Jack, and I like to add in my confirmation name, which is Peter. So sometimes when people ask John me my Patrick, name, I'm Jack, like, Peter. it's John Patrick, Jack, Peter, Kiernan Tomlinson. How you doing? Holy moly. I like to add that. It was even funnier when I used like Jackson James or JT Kid. I'd be like, hello, I'm John Patrick, Jack, uh, JT Kid, Peter, Kiernan Tomlinson. Nice to meet you. Damn. Well, let's see. Well, obviously, as a pro wrestler, you do a lot of training with your, with your stunts, with, your, with all of your, your, your drilling, with your choreography and all that. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a physical training side to it where there has to be a certain physique. I don't know if they require a certain physique, but I know you lift. But, uh, I try. What, what like, do they, do they want you to be like absolutely ripped and shredded? Uh, I, it's, depends on, on who you ask that question to. I think it definitely helps. Okay. Not for a, sh a shaming aspect, but for a, when you're walking down the street or you're at the beach and you see just your average looking guy. All right, cool. But if you see, this guy walking down and he's tan, he's vascular, looks like he's on steroids. Your first reaction to him is, holy crap, that's a jacked dude. Yeah. And I think when you're the more, the better physique you have, the more uh, reaction you're going to get when you come out. So it does help in that aspect. Uh, there are tons of wrestlers who don't have a good physique and are just insane athletes, just great performers. And it works. Um, I'm on the smaller side. I'm nearing five, nine. So I think being, uh, having a better physique and being more having a better strength and power behind me is going, it's going to, for my individual situation, it's very important. Yeah. Cause you are shirtless a lot of the, well, every match you're shirtless. Every match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that I guess is more appealing to the eye. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. like, oh crap. This guy shredded. Holy fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. It helps in that sense. Uh, I also on top of it, I just, I love working out. 
I'm very, I take a lot of pride in my body. I think it's, it's my temple. It's what I want to do for it. Um, I've been taking care of it since before I could even remember. And working out is just really important to me. I love working out, I love weight training and I love sports. Yeah, therapeutic. Very therapeutic. It's amazing. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. Shout out Professor Epstein. Health is your greatest wealth. Epstein, health is your greatest wealth. Dude, Epstein's a prime example. I mean, look at look at him. I mean, yeah. physique goes a long way. He was a uh, Iron Man or something. Iron Man, yeah. yeah. And he's a lifeguard. He's an EMT. The guy's a Epstein's a legend. I really hope Epstein sees this so he knows I don't just talk to him and I'm not nice to him just in class. It's because I really love Epstein. Wasn't you know he's Epstein? an actor. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to ask. Like I, th- I saw him like, wasn't he in um crap? What um, he was in, he was in two big things that I know of. He was in Baywatch. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah the one that that I saw was like Baywatch, and I was like, holy crap, he's in he Baywatch. In, he was in Baywatch. He was in the lifeguard scene, uh, the lifeguard tryout recruit scene, and he's also wait, they shot that in New York. No, he went to Georgia for that. Oh, okay. He's also um, he's in Stranger Things. Wait, he's in Stranger Things. He's in three of Stranger Things. If you look in episode one and two. At the pool, he is in there. What? He's in the pool. He's what one of the guys the... hanging out. Wait, so well, how this turns Epstein's podcast? What the heck? I, I don't know. I just, I just shouted him out for his, for his good good uh, health quote. But you get him on this. Oh really? Oh dude, I'm 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 a terrible guest. I'm literally shifting it off me. I'm like, don't don't interview me. Interview him. Harry Epstein. Well, he does have a lot of good stories. Holy crap! He's got anyway, great stories. He's got great credits. Anyway. Well, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about your, um, the, your, your training. Training, yes. Yeah. Yes. Voice crack. Nice. Yes. Training. So, is it like uh, a lot of benching, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of pulling? Um, yeah. It's, um, it's basically that. It's a, it's a lot of, what was it? Gym bro. Gym bro. Uh, bro science. Yeah. A lot of in the gym uh, working out. Yeah, 100%. Um, weight training at least five times a week. I do a split of one day is legs. Um, another day is shoulders. Another day is arms. Another day is my back and another day is my chest. And I try and work out abs every day. Um, it was great when the gyms were going on, obviously with this pandemic right now and the coronavirus. uh, I had recent living situation where I actually had access to a squat rack with a bench and with cables. So it was great. Living situation has recently changed. So now I'm using those adjustable weights I talked about and resistance bands, but it's, it's still the same. I wait. Um, it, it gives me the same thing. Now, nowadays I wake up. First thing I do is I work out abs for five to 10 minutes. I drink a glass or two of water to try and get the body going right away. You know, it's great for um, getting everything running, getting all the organs going. It's great for fat loss, uh, great for your skin to get going right away. And I'll do abs, like I said, and then I'll go for a run. Uh, nothing crazy. I honestly would be surprised if I broke a mile. It's just to warm up. I'm not, I don't like running. My cardio is wrestling. I don't, I hate cardio unless it's in the ring. Um, then I'll weight train for anywhere for 45 minutes to an hour. And I'll use dumbbells, barbells. That's my main thing. Sometimes body weighted, a lot of, I'll do push ups. I do enjoy body weighted exercises. I think they're very pivotal to mixing it up and shocking the muscle. And all hypertrophy. I try and uh, I try and stretch every day too. I try and find time. I say I do yoga. I think it's it's not a very well structured yoga because it's just based on me. I don't really like 
to put a video on. I don't like do specific yoga poses, but I really try and pull, I bring out the mat and I try and stretch. And then I try and do abs twice a day. I do abs later on again in the day. What the hell? Twice a day? I just, I just like working out and I don't do it long. It's like five to 10 minutes. It's nothing crazy. And you get that nice burn, right? <laughs> yeah. And I started doing, uh, I started playing basketball this past couple months. So I, I try and shoot the ball around. I didn't get to do it today. I'm kind of annoyed myself, but I, I shoot the ball around every now and then. And that just works up a sweat. Uh, yeah. Well, I saw, um, I look, I remember a few years back, I was looking at, uh, John Cena train. That guy's strong. Oh, that guy's like insane. Benching like over 400 squatting over six. An, another level. I was in a gym with him one time. What? Yeah, I walked into a gym and he was there and met him. And so happened to see him. Yeah, kind of. Uh, we saw him walk into the gym. Me and my dad looked at each other and we're like, "All right, yeah, we're going in there." <laughs> John Cena. We're gonna go meet him. We went and met him, and the guy's just casually sitting on the bench, texting in between sets. Dude's got three plates and a thirty-five on the bench, and he's not like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah," and he's yeah. not like. What was it? What did you say? You said three plates and a, and a twenty-five and a thirty-five. And a 35. Oh, and a thirty. Oh, that's three seventy-five. Holy moly! Yeah. So, uh, three eighty-five. I think three eighty-five. Oh no, no, it is three eighty-five. Oh my. Yeah, three eighty-five. I want to give John Cena all the credit. Yeah, yeah. But he's not like he's not like benching that, and he's not like saying, "Hey man, can you come spot me? I'm getting one rep." He's just sitting there, texting. Okay, I sent my text. Let's get good 10, 12. Go back to texting. Ten, 10 to twelve. twelve three seventy-five. Uh, eighty-five. Holy moly. He's a strong, strong yeah, he's boy. A strong guy. Strong man. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, now this is this is kind of a good one. Uh, this might get. I don't know. I don't know if you're an emotional guy. I have no idea. You might be, but like, uh, we're gonna talk about talk about your relationships, how it's been solidified with uh, how has what has pro wrestling done to you as a person, like with your relationships and stuff. Like, you think it's improved? Um, you think it's like brought um, your family together more? I think it has improved them. I'm going to say it's improved them because it's allowed me to improve myself. It's made me more disciplined. It's made me more confident and it's made me know who I am as a person a lot better uh, with wrestling. I think uh, I like most kids was very lost and very confused. And like most people, actually, I think we still are. There are times I get lost and I think wrestling along with working out are the things that pull me back and allow me to, uh, be with myself and figure out who I am. And that gave me this confidence and this ability to be comfortable putting myself out there, to be comfortable um, not being afraid to show myself. And in turn with that, it allowed me to grow up a little bit faster, um, which sometimes, I mean, in theory, some people could say it's bad to grow up too fast, but I think it allowed me to be more of an adult, which allowed me at 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old to hang around with uh, other adults. Cause the youngest person I wrestled with when I was, 18 was 24. That's a six year difference. So everyone's older than me. Um, so I have to rise up to that level of maturity with them. Um, all that travel, traveling to different States, uh, the business aspect of selling merchandise and talking to promoters and meeting with fans that, that allowed me to grow up a bit and make things better with communication skills. And then on top of it, when you stand in a ring in front of the most I ever wrestled in front of was 15,000 people. When you stand in front of 15,000 people in tights, shirtless you're very vulnerable 100 percent. and if you're able to get past that you'll come to find a lot which uh i have i have no problem talking to people i love public speaking i love speaking i love telling stories it's 
It's really fun for me. It's made me a lot more confident, which allows me to go out there and be proud of who I am and what I offer. I don't have any trouble talking to girls, which is amazing. Allowed me to get my girlfriend. So I mean, very, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> I, it, it allowed me to talk to my girlfriend. I, I first shot my shot with my girlfriend through Instagram. If I didn't have confidence, I wouldn't have had it in me to do that. So, you know. Want to talk about how you shot your shot? <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I messaged her on Instagram, and she left me on open for five months. Oh, no. Five mm-hmm. months? Five months. And then. What is uh, that, like 100-something days? Holy right. frick. Um, I'll do, I'll do the math here. Let's do it. Let's do this. Average month, 31 days times five, 155 days. And then, uh, we had a short, we had a short conversation. It was like two minutes. It was like two, two messages back and forth. Then she left me on open. And then, uh, we, we ran, we met, we met again five months later and she actually, now she approached me this time. She was like, Hey Jack, it's good to see you. I think she was just nervous. You know, you get a random DM from a random guy that's completely understandable. I get it. And she, this time she shot her shot and she gave me the indication that she was interested. I asked her on a date. We went on our date and now here we are almost a year later, still going strong. That's good. You guys look pretty solid. I like to think so. No, I know. So I love her. Oh, look at that. That's sweet. I know. Right. I'm such a little love bug. Anyway. Okay. Well, now that's over with, Let's talk Monday Night Raw. Okay. Wait, was it Monday Night Raw? It was. And what? 205 Live. Oh, I don't know what that is. But all right, let's talk about your, your actual WWE. That's like national television, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I had I, – I was actually on Raw the week before too. So I, I was on Raw the week before as well. So I'll, I'll tell the story from, from the get-go. So – WWE does extra work where you can show up and you can be uh, an extra talent. And sometimes you're just there to be like a backstage presence. Sometimes you're there to help uh, someone's entrance, such as the week I was on prior. There was a wrestler at the time with WWE called No Way Jose. And he came out to the ring with a conga line behind him. I was in his conga line. Um, I was wearing white overalls and a tie-dye tank top. It was hysterical. <laughs> Um, but the next week I was, uh, that was like a fleet of the moment. I was called in on, on a random note to be a part of the conga line. But the next week I was called back and this was a full weekend. It was uh, Sunday. It was extreme rules in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo center. Monday, it was Monday night raw at the Nassau Coliseum. And Tuesday it was SmackDown live into two Oh five live on, uh, where was it? It was in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, the, I think it was the DCEU, DCEU center, DCEU, one of those, one of those. And so on extreme rules on Sunday, uh, I got, I was in the crowd and I got thrown by, I got, no, I didn't, I got pushed, I think by Bobby Lashley. That was awesome. I thought that was, I thought that was going to be the high of the weekend. I thought this was it. Monday night. So how, did comes you, how did you even get like, is it from creative pro wrestling? Like mm-hmm. that call? Yeah. Um, so Brian Myers, um, being one of the head trainers working with WWE at the time has developed some great relationships with WWE and whenever they're in town, he's often asked like, Hey, do you have any guys that you think would be good for these specific roles? And, uh, he will often suggest people. 
sorry about that. Um, he'll often suggest people that are good for him that should be uh, in this scene and in this specific moment in this specific role. So he, uh, he actually had suggested one person and they're like, all right, you need three more. And he gave that one person permission, VSK. Then he comes up a lot of my wrestling stories. Um, to to uh, bring three people that he trusted and thought would be ready if a match presented itself. Because that is very rare. Sometimes WWE will let you have a match on television doing the job of a jobber, which is basically you're there to job. Uh, you're there to get beat up to make the other guy look good. It's called a jobber. That's, oh, an, old okay. school rest- that's an old school wrestling term. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's really used anymore, but I, I, I like the term. Um, what was your role? I was a jobber. I was oh, okay. there to get. I was there to get beat up. Um, <laughs> so I show up that day to the arena, and it's to me. This is the Nassau Coliseum. This is my home arena. This is where I grew up around. The first time I ever saw wrestling live, first time I ever saw Monday Night Raw live, was at the Nassau Coliseum. So I was really excited. I was going to be backstage. You got WWE catering, which is always amazing. Um, and I was just, I was hyped. And I'm sitting down at catering with VSK and the other two Creative Pro superstars that I came with, Eric James and uh, Bryce Donovan. And we're all sitting there and we're talking and Brian Myers, WWE superstar comes up, puts his hands on mine and VSK's shoulder and he goes, you guys are going up against the Viking Raiders tonight. And I'm just like, my heart just drops. I'm like, what? VSK goes, awesome. Thank thank you so much, man. VSK has been wrestling for over a decade. Legitimately the best in-ring performer I've seen on the independent circuit. So he was ready. He's like, I got this. Uh, This is my moment. I've been waiting for this. Me, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm 18 years old. I can't be wrestling on television. He walks in. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Brian. And I'm like, oh, no. 15 minutes later, the Viking Raiders walk in uh, to catering. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be crazy. Now I'm nervous because at this point, it's like five in the, it's like not even five in the afternoon. And I'm not wrestling till like 930. So I just have four and a half hours. So I remember I stretched. Like, hey, oh, my God, so much. I stretched like four times. Because I was like, I'm going to be ready for the match. And then it's like four hours later. All right, I got to be ready. Stretch. Three hours, two hours. All right, I'm going on 30 minutes. Let's stretch. Get, get a quick pump. Start like curling the air so I look vascular. And we, we taught, we, well, I remember going to ringside and working out the match. I remember practicing all these things. Zack Ryder is actually there. Um, Zack Ryder comes past. I've met him as a fan, and I knew him through other events where we interacted and he knows that i'm a big fan of his and he walks past me he goes what the heck are you doing in my ring kid you don't like why are you here and i'm like oh my god i'm sharing a ring with zach Ryder. this is so cool so we we go through everything and right before um the match is about to start we're standing uh right before we get into gorilla which is where the curtain is that you go out to and i'm nervous and uh there's a really cool moment bsk like said to me he's like hey man listen some people work their whole life for this and they never get here you're here at 18 you're here because you belong here. So just go out there, have fun, and do what you do, and you're going to be fine. And I'm like, awesome. I get to Gorilla, and you see Vince McMahon. You see Triple H. You see Paul Heyman. These are Michael Hayes. These are, these are big names in wrestling. These are the guys. And then you see other wrestlers um, and former wrestlers like Tyson Kidd there, and this is, it's going to be big. And I remember being, getting a little nudge on the back, and i like, all right, you guys are good. Go, go, go. We go out. We didn't get our own entrance. We just came out during commercial. Um, so we had to find the ring in the pit in the dark. Um, so we get to the ring and now we're standing there waiting. We're getting ready to go. Damn. And I knew I was starting. I knew I was starting off the match. Um, and the second the match like began, it was just go right away. Hit the spotlights and everything. I'm getting shot. Like the guy takes a shot on me. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and he throws me into the corner. I get a knee to the stomach. I get a knee to the face. I'm sitting in the corner, and this is my favorite moment of the match. I'm sitting in the corner, and they're beating on my, my tag partner over in the other corner. And I just remember looking around, and I see the WWE logo in the corner of the ring. And I look around, and I see all the fans, and I see everyone like going crazy. And I, know, I realize it dawns on me. I'm at, NAS- I'm at the Nassau Coliseum. I'm at my arena. I am in front of 15,000 people. I'm in a WWE ring, and I am on Monday Night Raw. This is crazy. Next thing I know, this 300-pound Viking, hairy Viking butt is coming at me. And if you look up on YouTube, uh, Jack, Jackson James WWE, uh, Jackson James WWE, it's the first video that comes up, and you'll see it. This big, big ass, boom, right in my face. I get hit with his butt. He goes to pin me. One, two. He peels me off the mat. He could have just won the match there. He peels me off. And then fast forward, uh, the match keeps going. They start beating up my, my, my tag partner again. In the mix of him getting beat up, he actually breaks his collarbone. Oh, what? Literally? Now, yeah, legitimately, 100% breaks his collarbone. He thought he popped out his shoulder because he just felt the pain here. He didn't know what it was. And the collarbone, all the muscles, all the tendons were now, like, detached and not working. Like, not working for, so his arms just, like, drooping. Thankfully, his part was over. He rolled over. I get beat up. They pin me one, two, three. I'm lying there. I'm staring up at the ceiling of the Coliseum, and I'm like, this sucks. I'm in so much pain, but it's worth it because I'm on Raw. The ref comes over, and he whispers in my ear, and he's like, partner had a shoulder uh dislocated shoulder and i'm supposed to be dying and i look over and i'm like what like i'm (laughs) I'm supposed to be like in pain but i i forget to like be in pain because for a hot second i'm like is he okay what's gonna happen to him and we get into the back and we rush him back and i remember the second we got through gorilla again triple h and i know you mentioned triple h he's a producer for WWE. um he gets up to say something to like give comments but he seemed he was in good he was like happy with it so i was excited and then he goes for real and they carry vsk out um to the trainer's room and i had to follow because it's my tag partner and after that point i just waited outside um the trainer's room for with uh eric james for a good hour we just waited there together while he had to be taken care of they they took him to the hospital he thankfully didn't have to have surgery he's uh pt and he's back full time now so he's he's great he's doing good so but, was it a, a broken collarbone or, or a dislocated collarbone? Broken collarbone. Okay. Broken collarbone. Um, but the, the cool moment that came out of that was while I was waiting outside the trainer's room, AJ Styles comes out. He comes over and he goes, and he goes, he, he hurt in there? And I go, and I go, yeah, it's a, I think he dislocated his shoulder. And he's like, the, uh, the German clothesline, this is the move that he got injured on. And I go, yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, how did you know that? And he goes, and he kind of shakes his head like, sorry. And he goes, sorry about that. And he walks away. And I was like, holy crap, AJ Styles just watched this match. And if, you, if you're really following, I mentioned AJ Styles earlier in his podcast is one of the guys I watch. Um, so that was really cool. And, but the, that was, I was at a mix of feelings the rest of the night. Cause now I was just, I had gotten through it. It went well. I was happy. And, but now I'm just worried about my friend. I want my friend to be healthy. Um, he thankfully was, and I went home, and I slept like a baby that night because I was in heaven just to get up the next morning to drive to Massachusetts for SmackDown with WWE. So that was – that's right. another – you, you didn't do just one night. You did uh, – you said you did technically three. Yep. yep. Uh, I did – so this is now the third night. 
um, prior to actually wrestling, um, we had practice matches for WWE's producers. And I had my match with Bryce Donovan and it was it's very simple, but it was great. Um, Bryce is really good in the ring and he really knows how to put stuff together and he did a great job for us. And when it was done, we get out and we're going to them for critiques and they go, uh, we think we're going to use you again tonight, Jack. You're going to take on Mike Kanellis. And he goes, but we'd like to bring Mike Kanellis out here so he can watch and see what, that you have good footwork, you know what's going on in the ring. And I'm like, all right, cool. And now I'm very, uh, I was like, is it cool if I wrestle with my friend Bryce again? I want, I want him to be the one in the ring with me. They're like, yeah, of course you can wrestle him. We wrestle again. I'm now about to go back in the ring. And now Mike Kanellis walks out and he's the guy who ends up wrestling that night. His wife, Maria Canales, comes out, who's also a big name in wrestling. And then out comes Buddy Murphy, who's another wrestler. Samoa Joe, another wrestler. Um, Drew Gulak came out, Aiden English, and Mustafa Ali, and a couple of WWE referees, and the same WWE producer that was there at the time, Scott Armstrong. And now I'm like, okay, it's game on. Like, I'm not just wrestling in front of one producer. I'm wrestling in front of the roster. I got to do this. Very simple. I was very proud. And then when that was done, um, I went over to Mike Kanellis and he paid, uh, he paid me a compliment to what he saw. He was very proud. And then he asked um, who trained me. And I told him it was Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins. And he made like a, like a, that makes sense kind of phrase and statements like paying compliment, not only to me and what he just saw from me, but to Kurt Hawkins and what he can do as a, as a trainer. So that was really cool. Um, him and I then talked, we went through the whole match um he, he's awesome he then vanished <laughs> he went into the locker room and he was gone i did not at that point i was there earlier that day i was there at like three <clears throat> excuse me sorry all this talking it's getting my throat parched um i was there at three so this conversation took place probably around 4 15 4 30 um i don't know i, I don't know where he is SmackDown happens. SmackDown ends at around 10 o'clock at night. 205 Live is starting at 10, 10.05. It's 9.55. I'm watching the main event, and he is still nowhere in sight. I have not seen or heard from him. So if there are changes, I don't know about it. And like I said earlier, I've wrestled with very limited preparation. But I don't want to do that for WWE. I want to be prepared. Yeah. I want to know every step of the way. This way I can nail it to the best of my ability to, sh to show off, to impress them. He shows up. And I try and go talk to him and he's like, you got, you're good. And I can't tell him I'm not good. If I tell him I'm not good, I'm going to look like I'm unprepared. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. great. <laughs> he starts warming up and then, and then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm waiting to go out. And um, the, this was really cute. His wife comes up to me and she's like, are you, you ready? You're, you're excited. And she can tell, like, I'm, I'm in an adult business. I'm here with adults. I need to be mature. I need to be uh, conduct myself well. I can't have any get you boy moments. Um, but I'm a kid. I'm a teenager. And it's very obvious I'm a teenager. You can tell. I look like I'm 12. I have a baby face. Like, she could tell. And she kind of came over to me and she gave me this cute little, like, good luck. You got this. You're going to do so uh, good. I heard great things. I liked what I saw. Like, so it was cool. She was kind of like momming me. That was, that was a cool feeling. And I, the ref comes, he's like, you're going to go out. And right as I'm about to go out, um, I'm going out and coming back is the wrestlers that just prior were just prior in the ring. And Brian Kendrick, who's a wrestler, um, very well-respected wrestler, great trainer, one of the best in-ring performers uh, in wrestling. 
he grabs me on the ramp. And this is really cool because he's actually at the time he's a, he's a heel, which is a bad guy. So him to do this is kind of weird. Like it's out of character. But the cameras are off. So yeah. Um, so the camera, but the cameras are off. So no one sees this. It's a very intimate moment with me and him. But he grabs me and he goes, hey, good luck out the kid. Just have fun. You got this. I had had a brief interaction with him in catering and I had made him laugh at one point. So I think he wanted to go out of his way to say that. And I go, thank you. All right. Thank you. And I was just trying to stay in the zone. Pats me on my shoulders. He goes back. I go into the ring and I'm standing there. I'm just going ready. I'm like, I'm just punching the air. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, cause I was standing there for like two minutes waiting. They played this whole vignette of the buildup to why this match was happening. Um, the storyline going on with Mike Kanellis and his wife. And all this is going on, and, like, I don't know if the camera's on me or not, so I don't want to just stand there and wait and just, like, rub my legs. I need to actually do something. So I'm just standing there for, like, three minutes, just punching the air, just getting ready, not knowing what to do. And then this match starts. This match was shorter, but this match I felt more uh, more confident. I kind of wish this was the one on Raw because the second the bell rings, I charge him, and he just kicks me in the face. There's a full-on blast to the face. And then he just starts chopping me, which is when you smack someone in the chest. They're, in wrestling, those are chops all over the ring and they make great sounds like it's just a constant all over the place so i'm just having i'm getting my ass handed to me i'm getting destroyed but i'm I still acknowledging elbow, right oh yeah i'm still acknowledging him in a wwe ring he pins me he beats me and it's over and the next thing i know he's not stopping he's still beating me he just starts beating me up again after the bell picks me up throws me out of the ring and I'm just like, this This is incredible. I walk back into Gorilla. I'm holding my neck. I'm like limping. I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then I, I get there and I'm like, I'm, I'm upset because now I know the weekend's over. I know my WWE weekend of wrestling is over. But I was like, I got through it. I had two matches on television and they went well. They, I was given a job. I performed the job. I think I performed it well. I really, I'll never know what they thought, but I'm very proud of what I did. And I'm proud of the product that came out of it. And that was awesome. It's a great feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling to train so long and then being able to, mm-hmm. to bring it to fruition, you know? That, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. Uh, like I said, with the two-year wait from 16 to 18, being not being able to wrestle on shows, a lot of people would have quit. I mean, to be told you have to wait at least two years to get any sort of progress, that's just a sad feeling. And it sucks. But I, I stuck it out and I trained for another year wrestling on shows and it paid off in the form of WWE, which is incredible. Incredible. All right. This will, this will be the last one that okay. I ask you, but um, I know, um, I don't know if you, are you a big trash talker? I have no idea if you are. I think big, you are. I, I'm more of an inspirational talker. I'm more of a motivational type oh. guy. I'm a, so my, my gimmick um, is I'm the Vessler, which is a vlogging wrestler. Cause I vlog my entrance. So I combine them together. It's a Vessler. And being the Vessler, I also happen to be the captain and the leader of the Jack Pack. Now, the Jack Pack is my family, my, my friends, my, but most of all, my fans. I, I want to grow the Jack Pack. I want the Jack Pack to be the biggest thing. So if you subscribe to me, if you follow any of my channels, you cheer me on in the ring, you wear my merchandise, available at prowrestlingtees.com slash jtvlogs, just saying, you're in the Jack Pack. And how are you going to join the Jack Pack? Like, why would you want to join if I'm a, if I'm a, like you said, a trash talker, you know, if the time comes for it, I, I've talked my, my fair share of trash. I've had people take shots at me. I've been hit with chairs. I've been put through tables. I've been hit with kendo sticks. So when the time comes to it, I've been hit in the place where the sun don't shine and probably every single match I've ever had. So when that happens, you got to step up, you got to talk some trash, you got to defend the jackpack. But 
before there's a reason, I try and I try and be the motivational guy that you you want you look up to. My my main goal is this in all of, in all of wrestling. Uh, I said this a little bit prior. It's to give you the match of the night and give you your money's worth. And the reason I want that is because life is stressful. Life at times can be a very toxic thing. And the way we get around that and the way we get through that is through things that pleasure us and entertain us. And if I can be that guy that distracts you for five to 10 to 15 minutes and brings joy and brings a smile to your face, I've done my job, whether it's for one person or it's for a million people. That is my goal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Cause I think um, comedians talk about that too. They, mm-hmm. they have their, they have their specials on Netflix and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is on their shows. And they, they always talk about how they want to bring joy to people, especially during a time like this, during our pandemic lockdown, the world's in chaos right now. The, you need it right now. And yeah. I think that's, that's the sad part. The thing I miss the most right now is sports. I mean, I love baseball and the fact that baseball's not going on is so upsetting. If people say baseball is a long game, I mean, I kind of need some baseball right now. I wouldn't mind sitting down for five hours and yeah, just staring at the TV and passing the time because I'm passing the time pacing around the house. Yeah, the the little things are that were you know that you guys took it. Uh, what's it called? Uh, took, for took for granted. Are, are now granted. you know they're they're not available. And I think know. it's it's it's, it's going to be good though in the long run. We're going to appreciate things better. I think the environment's a lot better right now. Um, I think we're valuing one another as people. Uh, and as individuals and I think people are finally for the first time in a long time taking things serious and I think we're starting to realize what the real serious issues are so yeah is, uh, we we are both from New York we got hit the hardest we yeah. got hit hard with this so I've I've actually been in Colorado this in pretty much this whole pandemic I went there for spring break and I got stuck there because of oh, traveling really? issues and I just this past weekend drove back I drove from Country, country long, all the way from Colorado to New York. So I saw the differences in some states, and that being back in New York, it really is. It's different. I was in Indiana, and I was in I think one place I can't remember if it was Nebraska or Ohio, and they're not even they're not wearing masks. They're out. They're about. They're talking. They're sitting down at restaurants, and I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I guess in New York restaurants are still closed. Oh yeah, they've been closed. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's a, it's a scary time. It's I can understand, and I think the worst thing is what it's doing to people mentally being quarantined in their house. I think people are really anxious, and I just I hope people know it's gonna it's we're gonna pull through this. We're we're gonna get through this. this isn't gonna last forever. Yeah, and I think probably affecting you too because you probably had matches planned up for the mm-hmm. for the summertime. Yeah, a, a lot's a lot's been put on hold right now. So, yeah. but it's okay. We'll all get back to it. I think this is is good for us. I think we all need to take advantage of it because a lot of people in life, especially myself, are go, 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 nonstop, always doing something. And I think this forces us to relax. And I think I think people need that. We all need to just take a break and focus on our own health and well-being. Yeah. Well, Jack, well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, a lot of great discussions. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. This is awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was it, guys. Signing out, guys. Peace. All right. Later.